you're listening to this podcast, you're probably thinking about getting an MBA. Maybe you want to get a job at Amazon or McKinsey. Maybe you want to change industries or functions. Or maybe going to business school for you has nothing at all to do with getting a new job. Perhaps you want to make new friends, have mind-opening experiences, and learn about yourself. Whatever the reason is that brings you to business school, once you're here, the experience will change you. Let's start with Guy Kawasaki, Anderson grad and tech evangelist. Guy was one of the early employees at Apple, and he helped create what tech marketing is today. You always look back and you say, wow, those are the happiest days of my life. <laughs> UCLA and Stanford were both pretty great times in my life. I didn't know it at the time, of course, but uh, looking back, now I realize that. They're probably like rolling their eyes and saying, yeah, right. You know, it's easy for you to say, but I think that 20 years from now, they're going to look back and say, huh, yeah, guy was right, man. College and grad school is the best time of my life. Welcome to Why MBA, a podcast brought to you by UCLA Anderson. I'm your host, Alex Grodnick. I graduated from Anderson in 2017. I came to school, like many people, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Working in investment banking after college and then for a digital media company in Santa Monica, I had the realization that none of these jobs were quite right for me. So in my Goldilocks dream, I thought that going to business school would help me put all the pieces together. And I was right. It turns out I'm a born entrepreneur. More on how I came to that realization and how my business school experience played a part in it later. In this series, you're going to hear a little about my story, stories from some of my friends and classmates, as well as some Anderson alumni. Hopefully after listening, you'll have a taste for what business school is like. I guess let's start at the beginning with my friend and classmate, Lauren. I was sitting at dinner uh, with my family and I got a call uh, and I answered it and they said like, hi, are you Lauren Yang? And I said, yes, I am. Um, and they said, okay, great. We just wanted to let you know that we got that you got into UCLA Anderson. Um, and I said, oh my goodness, it's my birthday. How did you know? And they're like, oh, happy birthday. We had no idea. Um, and then I, I came back and uh, uh, got to surprise my entire family with the good news. And then we had dinner and I blew out the candles, but I didn't really need to make a wish because came true. <laughs> yeah, it was a good birthday. Uh, I remember when I got the call. I was working out after work and I started jumping up and down at the gym, which everyone around me thought was totally normal. For me, coming to business school was about finding myself. I know that sounds cliche, but over this two-year journey, you're exposed to new people, new ideas, new opportunities. One of my most pivotal moments occurred in the classroom. I know a lot of my friends were enlightened while mountaineering in Peru, consulting for an African NGO, or getting their dream job at Bain. But for me, it happened in Communication Development for Leaders, Management 421, during the spring semester of my first year, at 8.30 in the morning. Professor John Ullman had us write down times when we felt like we were being our most authentic self. Here he is describing the exercise. Anytime you interact with anyone, some version of ourselves comes out. Now, which version? John classified these versions of ourself into three categories. A dysfunctional version, the fight or flight guy who overreacts to things. A mechanical version, that's the uncomfortable you, making small talk about the weather at a networking event, just kind of going through the motions. Neither the dysfunctional nor the mechanical version of yourself are the true you. And then there's you at your best, 
Here's John again. Okay, anytime, anywhere with anyone, some version of ourselves shows up that makes sense out of these people that all of us can regard as the best of the best leaders. And one thing I've noticed is that they tend to be who they are at their best more consistently, regardless of stress, pressure, or uncertainty. Um, times, conditions, people are difficult. They tend to hang out in that zone. That means their version of who they are at their best is different. Same for us too. So what is your version of who you are at your best? Well, that's a great question. And that's a great person to get to know. And a great place to look is at your own experience. And so as a tool, as a method, consider, um, make a list, make a list of concrete examples, specific times and places in your own life history where you were in that zone. You were coming across as you were your best engaged, motivated, inspired, using your strengths, coming from core values, doing purposeful work. You were at your best. If your life is a movie, you're fast forwarding through the DVD of your life and you're looking for specific movie scenes, specific examples, and then make some notes about those examples. And then you'll have one, you'll have two, you have three, you have more and more. You've had many, 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 many of them, many more than, than, than you probably even think. And so they'll come one example after another, after another, after another. And then when you have examples and you start making notes about them, then you're going to see patterns. And when you see patterns, then you'll be able to steer toward them. My list from that exercise was filled with times when I was doing something entrepreneurial, starting a car washing business growing up, selling stuff door to door. It suddenly became so clear what I needed to be doing. But how do you become an entrepreneur? I know how to get a job. You send in a resume, find out everything you can about the company and the industry. You go to the interview, be humble, weave in some of your knowledge, and boom, get the job. But becoming an entrepreneur, where do you even start? I thought that if I interned in venture capital, I would get to see lots of businesses and entrepreneurs, and maybe then I would get a better idea of what I should be doing. So in the summer between my first and second years, I got an internship for Warner Bros in their venture capital investing group. And while working on the lot in Burbank and going to lots of fancy meetings, the idea hit me. I'm around so many interesting people. What if I could share that access through a podcast? That was literally it. I spent nights and weekends over the summer buying microphones, building a website, asking interesting people to come on. And before I knew it, I had a podcast. Now that we've gotten my story out of the way, Let's talk about what people are looking for when they decide to get an MBA. Job, network, and experience. Those are the three broad categories that drive people to come to business school. Let's drill down. The first one, job. That's pretty straightforward. Come to business school, find out what you're passionate about, and then leave with an awesome new career. You'll get polished, work on your 30 and 60 second pitch, learn whether you should put your name tag on your left or your right side, and get access to incredible opportunities that you wouldn't otherwise get a look at. Okay, so I think we're clear on the job front. The next part is the networking component. Here's Dan Stefanis, my friend from school and one of the most outgoing people I know. He was also my section's social chair, which meant he planned all our parties and get-togethers. Dan, your experience was really centered around growing your network. And that was like a very conscious decision, like coming into business school, uh, you know, for me, like in wanting to meet as many people as possible and kind of grow my network, I realized the best way to do that would be to get as much of an official role doing that as possible. Uh, so I ran for social chair. Um, my classmates, including Alex, elected me. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so I got to basically be forced to go out to bars and hang out with everyone like three nights a week at a minimum. 
you know, well, I don't know. To your, to your point, it's, you know, you choose, you know, what things you want to focus on. And, you know, you try to schedule those out and make sure you're doing them. As you heard from Dan, a huge piece of B-School is about networking. It's a pretty important piece of business after all. Getting your MBA not only surrounds you with other ambitious and driven individuals, but it provides a practice field for you to hone your story, your motivations, your why. When everyone around you is also figuring out their path in life, the relationships and network that you create are more open and collaborative than anything that you've experienced before. Networking can be broken down further into two buckets. That is the networking you do with your classmates and future leaders of the world, and the other is the networking that you do with the current leaders of the world. Let's talk about networking with classmates first. Business school would not be complete without traveling to far off countries, doing things you would never do with new friends. Here's Dan again, talking about some of the connecting with fellow classmates he did while traveling. Ooh, uh, so 2016, I think I hit six or seven countries that I hadn't been to before. So, uh, like being on the East Coast, you know, when I traveled abroad, it was mostly to Europe or like to the Caribbean. Um, but like I hit a bunch of countries in Asia um, because like that's the closest spot. And it's actually cheaper than going to Europe from the East Coast. So it's like you'd think like, OK, five hour flight versus like a 12 hour flight. It's got to be more expensive. But uh, yeah, there's deals all the time from LAX. So like whenever there was something good, you just go. And so uh, we were out at one of the many social events and uh, me and a friend were like, we should go to Hong Kong next week. And so like we went home, booked tickets and like four days later, we were in Hong Kong for a week. And it was just like, that's the type of thing that business school allows you the freedom to do. And, uh, you know, like UCLA doesn't have or Anderson doesn't have classes on Fridays. And so like you automatically have a long weekend every weekend. Um, so I think it really opens up a lot of travel opportunities for you. There's a lot of stuff that you learn in the, in the classroom and you got to balance that with all the opportunities outside it. And, uh, you know, I was uh, pretty risk taking and, you know, taking those opportunities outside the classroom as well, I guess. Beyond traveling to unique places, business school makes it okay to reach out to people you're interested in getting to know. For me, I took the opportunity to grab coffee and then have on my podcast as many interesting people within the startup ecosystem as I could. Finally, there's experience, the third component. A little more difficult to explain this one in a 30-second pitch. It encompasses a couple different things and is totally up to you what kind of experience you want to have in business school. Once school starts, the opportunities start coming at you quickly. Interesting and accomplished people all around you, new friends to make and experiences to try, a shiny new job, an internship in front of you. The paths to take are infinite. Now that I have an 11-month-old daughter, the Dr. Seuss book, Oh, the Places You'll Go, seems like a good illustration of the business school journey. Here's Guy again. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your own and you know what you know. And you are the guy who will decide where to go. Prioritizing becomes more important during business school than it's probably ever been before. Here's Lauren again discussing what she was involved in. I think I signed up for too many things. What did I do? I was in, I was like on the basketball club. I was a VP of marketing for the sports analytics club. I was a VP of human capital for Andertech. So I was on the AAC admission ambassador corps. Uh, first year, I 
um, did like the tours of Anderson. I, I walked backwards and kind of talked about our buildings and our history. And then second year, I ran all of interviewing for UCLA. So I um, had a team of 80 second years and we interviewed over a thousand prospective students um, to get in to Anderson. And that was uh, quite a bit of work, but a lot of fun. Lauren was involved in a lot, maybe more than most, but her experience is pretty standard. If you're like me and you come to B-School trying to discover what you're passionate about, then there's literally no better place. You can test and experiment to your heart's content. If, on the other hand, you already know what you want and you've got it all mapped out, then business school can either be a place to dig deeper than ever before alongside like-minded people or an opportunity to try something totally outside your comfort zone. Like I said before, once school starts, there's lots of paths you can take, and only you will decide where to go. Before school, I was an investment banker, which is pretty much the opposite of a podcast host. But that's the cool thing about business school. You get to figure out what you're passionate about, what you're good at, and then go make it happen. I hope you enjoyed the first episode in this series. In episodes to come, we have a conversation with Rosie O'Neill, the founder of the fast-growing candy company Sugarfina, about what it's like getting your dream job. Also, starting a disruptive flower business with John Tabis from The Books and incorporating passion into your life with Darren Pleasance from Google. Also, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please check us out on social media at UCLA Anderson.